Next Chapter Podcasts. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing too new. Hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of peace for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500 Talking the 500 until the end I'm just doing this for the next hour and a half. That's what the episode is this week. God damn, that is a ripping guitar sound. Did he steal it from Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top? Tweet me your thoughts. Uh, the song is Money for Nothing. It's by Dire Straits from the 1985 record Brothers in Arms. And it's number 352 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. And hey, that's me. What do you see? I'll come in here, give you a podcast for free. That's right. It's a free podcast. You can help us. Join the Patreon. Please, dear God, I'm begging you, if you listen to this podcast, help us be financially independent so we can continue doing this podcast until May 31st, 2028. I want to keep doing it. We're going to keep doing it regardless, but there's a lot of great people that work on this show and we want to uh, we want to pay them better than what we're paying them now. And I want to make some money because this takes a lot of time, man. We got Adam, we got Peter, we got Jeremiah who's in Hawaii. I don't even know what he does anymore because he's just at a luau 90% of the time. Uh, we got Emily, we have Melissa, we have Ben. God, but Adam's my scoodle. Adam's my new scoodle, everybody. I love him to death. If you join the Patreon, and also guys, if you if you think there's things that we could give you in the Patreon, what do you want? Do you want me to do an AMA? You want me to do an uh, ass mouth ass? No. And ask me anything? Do you want it? What do you want? An extra episode of something? Like, you tell us what you want that'll get you to join the Patreon, and I will do it. 
because I can't think of any other ideas. I don't, you know, it's like, I don't want to do another podcast about music because this is good and this is great. And this is, but it takes a lot of time. So if there's something that will get you to join the 500 Patreon, tweet at me, DM me, let me know. And we will do it as long as it's not like a video of me S in my own D. Should I leave that in? I'm going to leave it in. So guys, go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast for $5 or more a month, man. You can help us be a part of the fleece army. I'll rank you. I'll rank you. And also smash that subscribe button. Smash it on YouTube because you get the videos every Thursday. All righty. All right. So what, what can I, oh, let's tell you about some dates. Uh, September 22nd through the 25th. I will be at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas, doing the goddamn Comedy Jam. And literally, I am so excited about it. Like, you guys, woo, come to Austin, man. It's going to be our first festival back, uh, partying with everybody. We want to see you there. Jam, stand up, biggest comics alive. It's going to be the shit. Then we have... Ooh, I'm going to see the Heartless Bastards at the Bowery on uh, Thursday, September 30th. I can't wait. I just saw Soulfly. That ruled. I'm doing a show in Texas again on October 14th uh, in the middle of nowhere. Check my, uh, my website for tickets. I think it's in like Plano or something. Skankfest South will be there November 6th. Uh, I'll also be at Just for Laughs Escapes in Cancun. Uh, November 3rd through the 7th, I will be at the Edmonton House of Comedy, December 9th through the 12th, and I will be in Vancouver, New Year's Eve weekend, it's gonna be the shit, and you can see me almost every night at The Stand or at The Comedy Cellar here in New York City, and keep your eyes peeled for the goddamn Comedy Jam in New York, and for the next one in Los Angeles, because it's gonna be dope. All right. Let's talk about Dire Straits. I mean, what is what is there to say that hasn't already been said about Dire Straits? They rule. And I think a lot of it has to do with Money for Nothing and the music video. And that was my first introduction to the band. And, and what a good introduction, because it's such a great song. Uh, and as a little kid seeing it, it's very impressionable. And uh, my guest today uh, was very impressed by the band Dire Straits. The one and only Pablo Francisco. Uh, Pablo is an incredible stand-up comedian, uh, tours all over the world. Uh, you might have seen his specials, Ouch, or they put it out there. Uh, he's been on Frank TV, Mad TV, uh, and a great impressionist, uh, great dude, uh, and this was a fun one. Unfortunately, uh, we had some audio problems uh, after the fact, so we had to cut uh, a lot of it because it was unusable. So we tried to salvage the episode as best as we can, and hopefully uh, it's still enjoyable uh, because this was fun. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a review, please, dear God. If you can't join the Patreon, do that. Or if you can't do either of those, Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on Instagram, Twitter. It's all social media at Josh Adam Myers and go to Josh for tickets to all my shows. Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by crazy Evan. Uh, and for all things five zero zero, go to our website, the 500 podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but 
Here we go with 352. Brother in arms by dire straits. Here's the episode. What's up, Fleece Army? Before we get into this podcast, I want to take a second to tell you about our new sponsor, Keeps. Now, when you think of rock stars, the older ones, what do you think bothers them the most? What do you think they worry about the most? Ex-wives that are trying to steal their money? Bad record deals that they signed when they were teenagers and now they're losing millions of dollars every year? No. Hair loss. Because I've seen them. I've seen some rock stars that had full heads of hair when they were younger and now it's fallen out and they look like Telly Savalas. Well, I myself have experienced hair loss. Right when I saw that happening, I started using Keeps and I am a huge, huge fan of this company. What I do is I do the pills and I do the drops. And since I've started doing that, my hair hasn't been falling out as much and my hair feels thicker. And more than 50 million men in the US suffer from male pattern baldness. And that is why I've been using Keeps and I love it and I've been using it for a while now. It's a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. They offer a super convenient virtual doctor's consultation and the medication is delivered straight to your door every three months. And they got treatments that start as low as $10 a month. And the packaging is so discreet, no one will even know that you're getting clumpy clumps that are falling into the drain drain. And if you've tried other hair loss treatments without any success and think that this will be more of the same, check out the customer testimonials. Check out mine, man, because I'm telling you, I look great. I'm 41, I got a full head of hair, all because I noticed the signs that I was losing it and I stopped it. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K-E-E-P-S dot com backslash jam 500 to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash jam 500. Get your first month free. Once again, keeps dot com backslash jam 500. Now. Let's get back to the pod. Oh, I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm fine. Where are you guys at? I'm in New York City. Uh, my producer and assistant, Adam. I don't even know where you are, Adam. Where are you? Santa Rosa, California, just about an hour north of San Francisco. Okay, well, really, I didn't know. Santa Rosa never heard of that, but uh, hey, there's a part of wine country. <laughs> I think right it's on, like brother. I think it's like a nice way of of cleaning up. Uh, I live in Oakland. It's like <laughs> you live in Oakland, dude. You, right. you, Santa Rosa. Yeah, it's like him and E forty and <laughs> and all these other nice. dudes. I don't even know who else lives in Oakland besides. I don't even think Jose Canseco lives in Oakland anymore. Does he? Oh, Jose Canseco, like yeah, but he's got his. He's got his uh, Lamborghini puppy stolen there by some brothers. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> safe over here. Come join the party. Okay. Uh, without further ado, uh, huge introduction. Uh, for Dude, I was just at the Comedy Cellar the other night. I was going to give you this big introduction. And we mentioned, uh, I was mentioned I was recording this with you to some of the comics. And, right. and they were like, they were, they, it was just immediately 
one of the funniest dudes uh, oh, they've man, ever thanks. seen live, and no one can do what you do. So, well, ladies dude, and gentlemen, wow, Pablo the Francisco, the seller. Thank you, man. The seller up in Vegas, you said? Yeah, the seller in, in, in New York City, man. What, okay, I know the one in New York City, but I heard there's one in Vegas. Am I correct? There's one at the Rio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. What a fantastic little place that is, man. From Just, what I heard. But uh, the one in New York is fantastic. I went there about five years ago for a showcase, and it was incredible because they had all the industry people going downstairs in the back. It was like a little – it was so much fun. It was like, uh, how do you say, uh, miniaturized, but – big tiny yeah, yeah that's tiny. why i think it's great that's why i think that that place is so great because like you'll go to a place like the laugh factory and it's massive and bright and then you'll go to a place like gotham in new york right. that is like wide uh but you know very clean and then the cellar right. is just this little room of like right. 65 people right hacked in which right. which is funny because i'm very much like you on stage just very high energy and right, i remember right, the, right. the first time i did the cellar i was right. like a little a little nervous because i had just gotten past right, and right, i went right. up i went up super high energy and right. the crowd fucking hated me what? <laughs> like really? hated yeah dude first year comic I, I fell right into what? first year comic i was it was bad bro that's bad. witchcraft it is witchcraft somebody yeah, possessed right. me uh the ghost of some uh some open <laughs> micer that passed away 19 years ago uh <laughs> consumed my soul and made me do the most bs jokes like from me i was just i started talking about reaganomics i was like what right. are you doing what are you doing <laughs> do you really hilarious yeah, um, <laughs> so i so let's so let's dive into this man because uh we're here today to talk about dire straits not Steely Dan, everybody, not Steely Dan. That's my big mistake that I constantly keep confusing these two right. bands, Steely Dan with Dire Straits. When we did the Steely Dan episode with Jeff Cohen, right. uh, who played Chunk. Yes. You know Jeff, right? Yeah, he played oh Chunk. God, yes. He's a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's my lawyer, and he played oh. Chunk on in the, in the Goonies. Yeah, he was the fat kid from the Goonies. Yes, I remember speaking with that guy uh, many times. He was my lawyer. He, he, he did a fantastic deal. He worked it out with, with this record company. He went in there, went boom, and did the little, whatever, the Goonies kind of thing. I know, whatever you call it. But he went in there and did a great job. So, anywho. Anywho. But he was, he's a huge, he's a huge Steely Dan fan. And I kept confusing these two bands thinking that a lot of the songs that are on this record were right. in upcoming Steely Dan records. So now, now that, go go ahead. Ahead. no, I was going to say now that I've listened to this record and now mm -hmm. that I understand exactly who this band is and we have a person on here that is a fan of Dire Straits. Right. Tell me, tell me the first time you heard Dire Straits. Okay, I was um, that one song in Dipping in the Gold, and everything. They were the downtown. It was the, the Kings of Sultan, right? And I heard uh -huh. this song. Back then, there was no videos, right? Back when I think it's seventy six. Yeah, I was seventy six. I was on. I was three. I was nine years old. You know, on uh, Mission Beach over there, and uh, my dad took us to Mission Beach, and I remember hearing his those songs. I was going, check out the who are these guys? I didn't understand the song was, was so intricate. I really. Well, I look back at it when music videos came out. That's when they started. Everyone was jumping on that bandwagon of getting, you know, when MTV came out. Yeah. Uh, back then, it, it ran from four o'clock in the afternoon to ten o'clock at night, and that's when all these bands were coming out. Dire Straits were already set with you know money, you know, the Stones, right? They came out with the I want my MTV. MTV came out in eighty five. The one with um, what's the one they, they're so far away from me? That song. Uh, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's on this record. Yeah. And uh, that song, when they, we did that song with uh, Sting, I Want My, you know, I Want My MTV, right? I was doing major bongs at my friend Richard's house, right? 85. And they go, my parents go, hey, you guys want to go into, uh, well, his parents did. You want to go out to uh, Manorovia, California? So we listened to that jam all the way up there, that whole album. And my dad goes, my dad goes, you know what? Who are these guys? I go, it's the Dire Straits. And we saw the, the video of MTV with, with, uh, with Sting. And that song, is in, in, that, that shit was so good that I was going, I go, God damn, I even bought it on cassette tape back then and just would jam it through my, my, my uh, stereo that I bought at the Price Club. Nice. And, uh, and uh, Toshiba. And that thing just jammed out probably those two, those songs and the other ones. But I look back at it and I see when they got Sting in it, I go, these guys are just, the intro to their music was fantastic. They knew how to do it. They put the bandanas with the, the really, really great band, I gotta tell you. So I look back and I go, you know what? Quality band. And, uh, you know, are they still rolling? Are they still rolling around? Dire Straits. Adam, can you find out? I, th- I think I read that they might have disbanded. Right. Adam, hmm. find that out. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I will. I mean, so how old are you at this time when you no, first? No, no, always okay. Now look, I'm 50. I think I'm 52, but I read at third grade level right now. So okay. I, uh, I was, uh, I was wait sophomore year back then. You know, kind of creepy. But at that year, that's when Adam Ramirez, what Richard Ramirez, that that Night Stalker guy. Yeah, the Night Stalker dude. He's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm the Night Stalker. I'm Casey Kasem, and there's a Night Stalker. We're doing and- the top ten, yes, top ten serial killer breakdown today on ninety two point three. Coming in at number ten is Jeffrey Dahmer. He murdered and ate the penises of six of the guys he killed. Let's check out his greatest hits. And it's, now- just that, that, it's just that woman in the courtroom, like, I kill you, I kill you. <laughs> That's so hilarious. And he was the other, and, and he, t- he dressed up like a clown and he put kids under his roof or under his fucking bed. Please welcome <laughs> What's the guy John Wayne Gacy coming John in Wayne at number Gacy. four. <laughs> down to number two and down to number five. Yeah. John Wayne two. Gacy is back up to the number one spot, beating out Richard Ramirez because Gosh. they found another body buried down the street. 34 yeah, yeah. years later. And here she is oh, the, with that one chick on oh, the news. Okay, Mr. Ramirez, who has an ACDC hat. We know that he wears sneakers. You know, I go, ACDC threw it off the bridge. It's ACDC hat, so he wouldn't get caught. Please, yeah. well, you welcome. So that came out. Now we wait, went you, there. Wait, wait, not to cut you off, but wait, were you lit? You're, are you from California? No, I'm from Tucson, Arizona. All oh. the way to go, Philadelphia, Atlanta, LA, Northern yeah, California, yeah, yeah. where so the you girls are warm. Right. So you didn't have to worry about Richard Ramirez. Well, on our way to Manorovia, he I go, wait, are we going to where the Night Stalker is? And I goes, yeah, my dad, I go, I go yeah, I go, we're going towards California. And he goes, yeah, don't worry. Now check this out. We arrived there. I go, that we just found out that he's running around. They said they caught him. Like a bunch of people were chasing him. So yeah, they go, beat him up. Right, right. And they go like this. So I go, all right. So did they catch him? Right. And they go, yes, they kind, they caught him. But they weren't giving out information. But his name is Richard Ramirez. Now the guy I'm with was Richard. I can't say his name. Romero, right? So yeah. we get there, and back then I was selling martial art equipment, right? Now the Dire Straits has been jamming. We're listening to the song, <laughs> the, that song, and what else are the songs we're listening to? It was that, and uh, it was a it was another jam we jammed out. Oh, it was Rats, Rat, 
Rats. Dude, what are you talking about? Uh, round and round? round? No, they just came out. Invasion of your privacy. That that thing. So we were listening to both of those guys, right? And we get stoned to, to uh, oh, God, if my aunt finds out this, okay. Okay, she's going to find out today. She's not so, listening. Yeah, she's not popping. No, later on. <laughs> she goes, so we were in Manorovia, California. She goes, and we're, I had the Dire Straits cassette. I swear to God, the, the little, with that little guitar on there, with the, it was the that was the cover of it. And what was the name of the album? We got Dire Straits. Uh, anybody? Adam? For this record, this re- the record that with, that's, with that album, it's Brothers in Arms, the one we're talking Brothers about today. So my dad made me make duplicates on it, on my Scott double, double cassette thing, right? So we're there, and we're jamming out to it. And it was, it was the way it was recorded. I think it was done digitally. It was perfect on a cassette tape. It just blurred out great. And we're jamming out. And all of a sudden, my aunt goes, we're going to go out to dinner, and we're going to be gone for like six or seven hours. So if you want, if you guys are out and about, you, you go through the garage, and you sneak in. So we're like, all right. And we're jamming out round and round. We're jamming. We put a compilation tape together. We're jamming out. And all of a sudden, we, we snook in there. And all of a sudden, the cops start surrounding the house. So I go, hey, dude. I go, someone's getting busted, right? And next thing you know, I go into the bathroom. And I hear, I hear, I hear dogs go, like, so I go, what the fuck's going on? And he goes, dude, they're coming after us. And I walked out there. I put, you know, the stuff underneath the thing. And I walked out. And I see my friend with a gun to him. He put, gets on his knees. And they go, what's your name? It was Richard Romero. And they went, what? Like this to him? Get out, right? And I go, Richard, I walk out and go, Pablo, come out. I come out in a Bruce Lee tracksuit, a black one that, you know, I was selling martial art equipment. Yeah, too. I know. I, I just imagine you holding like four like Chinese stars and some I nunchucks, had, maybe some I katanas. Had, I, had, I had the tonfas. I had the Rockberry badass, uh, you say lead bars in each nunchucku. So I come out and they go, get down on the ground, right? I get down on the ground. Richard, and they had this gun that was a barrel like this, right? And I go, what? And it was weird because when we were leaving to go to the park to play soccer, there was a guy looking all creepy looking in a, in a pinto, smoking a cigar. I go, what's this guy doing? Well, that guy, I guess find out somehow he was hanging out in that neighborhood, comes in, busts down the doors, and the cops, they get us on the ground. I go, my parents are at a big dinner right now. They find out you pulled out guns. And I swear to God, there must have been 40 of them <clears throat> disappear. All right, you don't have to tell your parents. You don't got to say nothing. But can we go through your stuff and then pick up Chinese stars? This is illegal. This is illegal. I go, yeah, but I go, I don't sell it. I just have it here in the house. So anyhow, they take off. And my dad goes, like this to me. We tell them what happened. And my dad goes, they don't believe it. I go, this place was surrounded by cops about three hours ago. So that's my story. And down to number two, here's Richard Ramirez <laughs> with Kill Them All by Metallica. But, uh, <laughs> right. But your case is better than mine. So there you go. And no, yours is fucking dope, dude. Trying to get it down. How funny. <laughs> here is Jeffrey Dahmer. Awesome. Coming in at number 10. Coming in at number 10. So <laughs> I was just up. talking with someone. You said Dire Straits was on the thing and then the doors, right? We're talking about the, the combination play. Well, no, we have. So, yeah, I think we probably asked you about the doors to do the doors a while back. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. It just something just didn't happen. And, and then this came out perfectly with Dire Straits because you know this this i mean this is great to know that this record like hits you like right in high school you know because i remember because i remember i remember like the first thing that really sticks out to me about the first time i heard this record which Mm. the first time i actually listened to the record was now Mm. but the first time i heard of dire straits was the music video the music video is so iconic it's so you know i mean it's ahead of its time Right, right. 
right? It's ahead of its time. I mean, they're using like computer animation. Oh, it's a big um, thing. Do you have it? Do you have it? Uh, yeah, pull up the music video for a second. Let's let's take because I also want to say that this came out in 1985 and this like blew people's minds. It did. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. It's like, that is such horrible graphics. Like I've seen stuff on like an Atari 6000 that actually had better graphics than that. I mean, you really think how well, yeah, I mean, I for 1985, like that's blowing people's minds. Like was, that's like just so thing. crazy how we've evolved. And I mean, oh, yes, it's been over 30 years. I understand that police army. Right. I understand that you know we get tech savvy and even by like five years later i mean you know right. they're making shit that's even more high tech but right. i mean what did you how did you feel seeing that in 1985 like what did what did okay. what were your first thoughts do you remember well okay when i first saw it okay i was one i couldn't believe that first i go is this thing talking about i want my mtv how are they integrating mtv with these guys i didn't know that mtv was getting big everyone was like getting on that bandwagon stones and all they were making videos, right? And you look at, you look at these guys, at uh, Dire Street guys, and I'm going, okay, so I see the bandanas, I go, okay, and these guys kind of look, back then, like, you know, they've been on tour a lot, I didn't think, but when they're talking, you know, look at them yo-yos, that's the way they do it, they play their music on the MTV, oh, look at that, and he's all faggot, uh, that's the way you do it, I'm going, wait, he was hitting on the drums like a chimpanzee, oh, that ain't working, that's the way you do it, I was like, going, and George Michael just came out with Wham was just transitioning to get was leaving. Wham, and, and going Wham. So, he was so, going solo. Yeah, yes, yeah, going solo. But back then, you see the guy jumping. They do like a little a spiff of him, and they show like the, the, the videos and those two guys are going like this. Like wait, I go because back then, and when I tried to record it on like on, I had Friday night videos back then, right? Right, it was uh, Friday night videos. It was a video place. I didn't have MTV back then. Just Friday night videos. My parents didn't want to. Uh, they didn't want to, uh, they didn't want to pay too much expensive. Money. It doesn't, yeah. you're only getting uh, E Entertainment and you're getting HBO and that's it. I go, all right, so guess who sold us? Guess who sold my neighbor cable? You're no. not gonna believe this. Okay, we're in the front yard. I go, dad, you're gonna get cable? I go, you know what? I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. I saved money. I bought a mongoose bike. I was an actor back then, so I was making a little bit of money coming in. I go, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, here, comes the, here comes the cable guy going to Dumpton Street. Here he comes. 
We're all looking at him, right? He comes up to my parents' house. He goes, hello. My dad's just getting out of his car. He goes, hello. I go, how are you doing? I go, I go, yeah. Out of all the people, my dad would usually go against that. But he goes, okay, what do you, what do you want? I go, dad, it's a, it's a cable. He's like, cable program? He's looking at the dude. I went, right? He goes, no. My mom comes out and blows the whole thing. No, don't get it. So-and-so has it. What the fuck? The guy runs around the street, sells it to my friends. Guess who the dude is? Greg Kinnear. No way. Swear to God in my life. I go, that guy, I see him. Then I see him years later. Wait. So somehow a- <laughs> he's selling door-to-door cable. And I meet him. We're at the station. He's doing this thing about a new movie. And I went, I went, they go, Greg Kinnear. I went, I just, I don't hope I went, he was selling cable, Cox cable. And he looked at me like this. I went, he was, he was going door to door. Is he from Tucson? He goes, I am from Tucson and I do sell Cox cable. I went, what a, what a coincidence. We just meet. Yeah. yeah. And he was like looking at me like this. I was like, going, you sold, he goes, I sold Cox cable. I go, yeah, what, what a weird coincidence. So I go, That's whoa, insane. that guy is in my neighborhood from Tucson. I go, then I can make it like in a weird, where weird, strange way. Yeah. But I saw him and talk, on Talk Soup. Talking Years right. later. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this guy looks familiar. He looks like somebody. I, it was, and it was him. So I went. That, so let it be known here, Fleece Army, that Greg Kinnear is a hustler. He is unstoppable. That dude, he'll say you cable. He'll tell you about what's going on in pop culture. That's right. Um, he's, he'll take he's you back in time. He was in, he's, he was in uh, As Good As It Gets. Okay. And then he was in with the one with, uh, with there was another one. Wait, what was it called? It was with uh, Jack Nicholson. Wait, wait, hold on for a minute. Hey, That's Jack, as good as it gets. Yeah, as good as it gets. Okay, yeah. My friend was working on a movie with him. Yeah. And uh, my friend goes, hey, guess who I'm working with this week? And my friend does craft service. We're doing craft service. And every single movie, he would tell me, you have great canaries on this. One. You got to come check them out. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to the after party, but we hung out. My friend goes, he's kind of a geek. I go, geek, dude. It's Jack Nicholson got nominated for an Emmy for Oscar. And that's the you know, Oscar. Yeah. And they did some other great movies. And that, I think he just took his money and we're waiting around. Greg Kinnear. I remember when I got cable for the first time. I remember my, we didn't have it. First, I remember when I was really young, we had Super TV. I don't know if you remember Super TV. Oh, man, that, was like the, that was like the predecessor to cable. Uh, we had it for just a moment. And then, and then it wasn't until I was in sixth grade that I remember cable finally came to Germantown, Maryland. It came to my neighborhood. And I remember I begged my parents to let me stay home the day that it was being installed. And I remember the guy showing up, it was cable TV Montgomery. That was the company cable TV Montgomery. And I remember the guy showed up and I like watched him like hook it up and then drill the hole and then put the box in. And then he left. And then I immediately put on MTV and Comedy Central. And then I just, I stayed home so many sick days that school year so I could watch Comedy Central. Whose line is it anyway? They used to have premium. Really? You remember that? It was like premium oh, blend and all the great. It was back oh, when wow. they used to show stand up on Comedy Central and back when they used to show music videos on MTV. So this is okay. So I got it when I was, okay. So I got it when I was six. My neighbors got it and I'll go over there and check it out. I got it when I was. 17, 16. So how old were you when you got it? Sixth grade, 12 or 13, maybe. I don't know. Nine, like, like what year? Like a 95. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm only 15 year, years old right now. Okay. You're, so, yeah, you look, you got the, yeah, I was figuring. I'm, yeah. yeah you got I'm Benjamin button disease. <laughs> I am aging. <laughs> Benjamin button disease. 
Also, I've just did a lot of fentanyl, and and that's what that's what it looks. This is what a fifteen year old on fentanyl looks like. No, I think I was I think it was like twelve years old, and I remember. But I mean, I remember the first time I actually got to watch MTV, and and you want to talk about? I remember this video being at my grandmother's house because she had cable, and I remember seeing this video, and like I said, being blown away by the graphics of Money for Nothing. Oh, I mean, it's incredible how they did that. And I think, how many other videos did you do after that? Which is that one? Because I never saw anything after that. Well, I would assume, I would assume that every hit off this record, they did a music video for. Like, I mean, you might want to double check that, Adam, but I'm pretty sure. Here, let's find out. Let's find out a little bit about the background of this record. Um, All right, so this... Is the produced fifth? highly cost a lot of money. It was like the biggest gener- c- computer generated thing that just came out of nowhere. And they said yeah. dire straits. And it was recorded beautifully. I know that. And I saw it just re- on, uh, if you go live, live, uh, what's it called? Um, with the one with, what's his name? The guy from Queen. They go back and they show that Live Aid thing, right? Yeah. You go back a few bands back, like in that ru- on that lineup, they show dire straits and they show Sting walk up and he starts singing, I want my MTV. I went, Wow, I go, wow, MTV should be, is in a song? I didn't know they put MTV in a song. I didn't know, well, which, didn't know how which, big it was. So you obviously know? this is, in my opinion, the the most iconic song on the record. Um, the, oh, three, the three things that I noticed, which you mentioned a couple of them, but I want to talk about. All right. Sure. So first, I had no idea that was Sting until the third listen on this go round, I was like, oh, I don't feel like that sounds like Sting. And then I checked and I was like, holy shit, it's, oh, yeah. it's Sting. So, so Sing sings background vocals on this track, providing both the signature falsetto intro and the backing chorus of I Want My MTV, which right. I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's, he did that kind of to kind of match uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me because it almost is the same kind of like phonetic like uh yeah he was very popular with that kind of the police did was he going he wasn't solo at the time sting was he was he in 85 no, no they were still they were still machine police yeah i'm pretty sure the police were still together i'd, I'd check on that for me though adam so uh mm-hmm. sting would go to mont montserrat uh to windsurf mm-hmm. went to the studio for dinner loved the song and was invited to add something to it he performed this song with them like you said at live aid in 1985 yeah, but i will tell you this man when he put out that video right okay then weird al yankin became up followed up followed up with it with the uh, beverly hillbillies right yeah dude yeah. from uhf and yeah uhf great yeah that's where michael richards and all those guys were kind of like discovered on that uh, he's in that that thing yeah yeah uh, yeah it's one of my favorite movies yeah, yeah, great, good. Dude, the Rambo it was really good shit. It was like it was like the Kentucky Fried Chicken movie with sketches in it. That was a great concept. Uh, watching it, and uh, I remember he did the Beverly Hillbilly. I go, hey, this guy has the money to pull it out like that kind of ki- that ge- that gener- that computer generation shit. Like, off. yeah, he did a good job of it. I think, and a lot of other people were using it too. Um, I was working for a video game vendor as well, and they had Qbert and all these other ones trying to make it similar. But how many but, jobs did you have? You're selling katanas. You're selling video game I, stuff. Yeah, I was started. Wait, <laughs> started in eighth grade doing. I was an acting troupe through. I went and traveled, saving my money through the summers for that, and then got out of that. Went right into video game vending with this guy, action vending up in Tucson. Great dude, and then uh, working on video games, and then started selling marijuana and, and martial art equipment for a while, and then. 
Um, <laughs> you know, the dream come true because it was I was selling for my teacher in high school, my history teacher. It's kind of strange. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I walking down the street one day, and he goes, I go, Mr. Martin, what? Mr. So and so. He goes, he goes, call me Rich. I went, what? And he's raking his yard, and he was from Boston, and he was all into his uh, stuff. He was a really great guy, but we used to jam out a lot of jams at his tunes, but. Dire Straits came in the summertime. That's when it was like the mellow. That was a great summer, to tell you the truth. Of yeah. The I mean, you're oh. probably cleaning up, dude. You're selling fucking 20 bags of dope and some nunchucks. It was good, though. It was, it was, look, it was good. Red hair right in there. And I would, so I wouldn't smoke it uh, during school because I did one time. And I, and I almost, it was a nightmare in the morning. But afterwards, yeah. I do a little, mm-mm. But then I started selling it, making a good profit. And he was, next thing you know, man, he got out of hand. I went to his house and he had everybody at each school. And he was like looking at me going, Pablo, you're talented. But he caught me cheating on a test and he mm-hmm. busted me right there. I was like, dude, we're, we're partners. And he's like, no, got to go to the office. So make a long story short. Um, good bud. Really good shit. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, it was, it was bigger than usual. I didn't know how to weigh too well. So I'm like, whatever. You just eyeballed it. Yeah, I bought. You know, I took twenty percent of each thing, money, put it aside, and then that was- I was the only drugs that I ever dealt. I dealt. I dealt pot for like a short period of time, so I could get a free eighth. Um, I probably did that for like three months, and then I, you know, you sell the majority of it, and with the profit, I can keep an eighth. The Wait, are you drug- telling me with your course it's that easy? You it's take literally. You do you not want to pay for weed anymore? Here's what you do: find your next door neighbor's son. And convince him to give you an ounce for free, and then you'll pay him back. And when you pay him back, make sure you keep a little bit of bud for yourself. You'll that's make right. no profit other than getting high. It's, that's right, Michael. And let me tell you something. It's that easy. Okay, with that, David, tell him all. You get the bud, you get the bag, and get what? You get a free joint, too, and a dispensary down the street. Went to a dispensary down the street. It used to be an old apartment complex. Frank, yeah. Come on, I go, dispensary. Come on. We go up the steps, and there's, I swear to God, there's a... St. Bernard shit looks like fucking Dairy Queen. I go, look, complete, look, we follow the trail of shit. We go all the way up there, knock on the door, and there's, I swear to God, there's a security guard like this, and his eyes are blazing. What's up, man? I went, okay, he's high too. Medication, we go in there, and my friend still complains. I get a bag of weed, then they give you a joint for free. And look, he opens it up, and he goes, look, just side this in here. I went, what kind of dispensary is this? They got better and better, I guess, but... Watching them, they were doing the same pot deals they do on the street there. Would you like some, uh, would you like some purple haze, perhaps? Yeah. And I'm a doctor, and would you like this? And I said, I want my MTV. Then we go right back into the, <laughs> the dire straits. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriole, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy... It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. 
I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Now, we were talking about who, something about Adam was looking for some facts on it about something right and then we adam you have anything for so us? there was four videos done for the this album which was the big track so far away money for nothing walk of life and brothers i knew it uh, walk of life why did i think about that i think they blew so much money on that character generator stuff whatever they had to put together with that computer stuff graphics that you know, yeah, I, don't I don't think the right. other i don't think the other videos have as high tech of uh technology yeah. Um, here, let me let me let me finish this. Let me finish this. So, so this is released in 1985 and has been described as a pop rock album. It was recorded on the Caribbean island Montserrat. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Although some follow-up sessions were needed in a New York studio after a defective batch of tape affected all or parts of three tracks, and this was one of the first albums recorded on a Sony 24-track digital tape machine due to singer uh, and lead guitarist Mark Knopfler's constant desire to have better sound quality. It spent nine weeks at the top spot on the Billboard 200 and was certified nine times platinum in the U.S. And this is crazy. This This is one of the most profitable records of all time. This sold more than 30 million copies worldwide. The single or the... No, the full album. The full album. This is a big record, dude. It won the Grammy for Best Engineered Album Non-Classical in 1986, but it lost Album of the Year to Phil Collins' No Jacket Required. Adam, pull up the track list for No No Jacket Required for me because I want to find out what what, how that – and all the other – I want to know who else was nominated too. Yeah, because Phil Collins was on a roll back in there. He was coming out with hit after hit. Yeah, he could do no wrong. Yeah, but the Dire Straits went from 85. Okay. All right. Dude, this is a huge, do Pablo, this is a huge record, dude. Well, this I is, didn't know this it sold 30 million. That's outrageous. That's insane. 30 million records. Now that's worldwide, but nine times platinum in the United States means it sold at least 9 million copies. If I'm not mistaken, is that- the platinum record nine, go, I'm sorry. Pla- platinum, I think is, um, fuck, I hope 10, you got to check all this shit too, Adam. I, I think I think platinum uh, means a million uh, records sold. And so nine times would be 9 million um, the 20th anniversary edition also won in 2006 for best surround sound record. Uh, Brothers in Arms was the first album to sell 1 million copies in the CD format and to outsell its LP version. So that's a little background of oh, that's, that's, that's good. Uh, behind cool. this. All right. I got wait. I have Brothers in Arms on DVD, no, CD somewhere. I've got what do you got? I got three things ready for you here. So, first of all, all right. certifications it's 500,000 for gold, a million for platinum, two million uh, for multi platinum, and 10 million for diamond for, for this uh, certification. Wait, 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 20 million you said for diamond? 10 million. No, 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 10 million. So, this was one million short of diamond. Okay, is this the first year? Or are we talking like, oh, yo, wait. I'm, yeah, I mean, this is probably, uh, probably. Uh, well, look, keep this in mind, man. Keep this in mind that 
this is this is before streaming. This is before really singles really got even bigger and bigger, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So you had to buy the record. And if you're going to buy this album for money for nothing, oh God. Uh, yeah, you're going to also like want to get the other tracks on it because they started coming out. There's like five singles on this. Wow. I did not I know. Yeah, you had to buy the album or cassette. Either that's it. Then the CD came out. Yeah, later. Came, yeah. All right, Adam, what yeah. else you got? So we got album of the year. What it, it, we, lo- we lost to No Jacket Required by Phil Collins. We'll go through that in a second. The other uh, albums that were nominated were Whitney Houston's self-titled album. Wow. Stings the Dream of the Blue Turtles. Okay, that's one. Okay, okay, go. Yeah. And then that just other, sounds terrible. And then the last one was <laughs> USA for Africa. We are the world. Yeah. Oh. What? What, what else was on there besides We Are the World? Let's find out. Uh, we are the world. Yeah. We, we are, are the, the universe. What the for We Are the World? Then you have Steve Perry's of Only for the Moment Girl. Then you have the Potter okay. Sisters, Bruce Springsteen's on there, Prince and the Revolutions for the Tears in Your Eyes, Chicago's on there, Tina Turner. So it's got Kenny Rogers, Huey Lewis, and the news. So it's got the heavy hitters on that album. Okay, and then uh, what's on that? Now, what's on the the Phil Collins record? Phil Collins' No Jacket Required track list is ten, uh, eleven tracks. Uh, Susudio, only and I know. Long, long way to go. I don't want to know. One more night. Don't lose my number. Who said I would? You're done. Really? One. It deserved it. That's on No Jacket Required. That's on No Jacket Required. It deserved everything it won because everything you just mentioned is fire. So. All right, well, let's, I, let's, okay, no, but what else you got? Look, Genesis killed, came out. I wasn't too fan of a Genesis kind of thing, right? But then when Phil Collins came out, I had no idea back then he was involved with anything that comes out with this. But Dire Straits, got to tell you, if it comes down to a good summer, I would say, I'm going to have to say most definitely Brothers in Arms because that was the best. Totally thing. different record. Totally different record. But I think that's that's what you have to give it to Phil Collins compared to this. I think that Phil Collins record oh, is, yeah. is just straight hit after hit. Right. Uh, but let's talk about the music that's on this record. All let's right, go. so it opens with So Far Away. I did know this one. This was the lead single from the record. Uh, let's see, it reached number three oh, really? on the Hot Adult Contemporary Charts. Hot Adult. Uh, peaking at number 19 on the Billboard 100. Uh, this is the band's third straight top 20 hit off the record in the States. And Mark Knopfler told the BBC, So Far Away is something I would want to apply to anybody. Quite apart from anything else, we are now a world of travelers and air travelers. Families are split up in different parts all over the place, and it has relevance. He also added... It was about conducting a relationship over a telephone, which is a joke. It can't really be done over a long period of time because you both get exhausted with it. This was the basic idea. Uh, I like this song a lot, man. This 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 one is is jam. I mean, definitely the jam. But I mean, money for nothing. Like we 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 mentioned the sting thing. So and you also mentioned because this is the thing about money for nothing that like blew me away was right. I was listening to it and I'm, I do the listen with my headphones on. That's what I do too. That's what, that's what I was gonna mention. Go ahead. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you hear him drop the f bomb, and I am like, have Wait. I just been missing that? Yeah, for they, years? yeah, they did edit that out, didn't they? they I mean, no, 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 no
Dude, what what got me talking about at you about the comedy seller? I was talking about the podcast, and I said to the guys, "I go, do you guys realize that in Money for Nothing, they say the they say the f word like four times?" And they were like, hey, "Oh yeah," and they don't cut it out. Like it's still. I don't know about now in 2021, but definitely in '85 up until probably only a few years ago. Then they like, Dude, because yeah. I, I would have noticed if it suddenly went dark. This is a song that comes on. Here, first of all, we got to talk about it before we get back to the F one. Just play the intro, the guitar riff to this. Jam, isn't it? Is Badass. That- so, so the reason the guitar is so dope is because Knopfler modeled his guitar sound for this song on ZZ Top guitarist Billy Gibbons, who was a past guest of this podcast. Uh, really? That literally. Oh yeah, dude. This literally sounds exactly. We, he came on to talk Eliminator. This literally sounds exactly like something off of this, off of that record. And Gibbons told Timothy White, a musician in late 1985, that Knopfler had solicited Gibbons' help in replicating the tone, adding he didn't do a half bad job either, considering that I never told him a goddamn thing. That sounds like something Billy would say. So, so, know- so basically, those guys, I know Billy Gibbons has their own sound, just like Joe Satriani does, and so does Eddie Van Halen. They all got their own sound. So, that sound, that eliminator, what Billy Gibbons kind of like, is that legal to do? No, they're buddies. They can do what they want to do. You do what they want to do. I mean, you can't, listen, you can, you can take a sound. It's not like you took a goddamn riff. He took a sound. Yeah. And and it works perfectly for this song. Oh, God, I mean, that yeah. is arguably one of the most iconic opening guitar riffs. And then you go put it with the video and the dude floating into the screen. And then you suddenly see the band and they're all wearing neon shit. Like they work that at an is. Outback Steakhouse in 1994. Like it's, it's the same colors. Yeah. The same colors as the Outback Steakhouse outfit I used to have to wear when I was busboy and, and employee of the month. Look at that busboy. That's the way you do it. <laughs> you Come pick up, the dishes up and, and pre-bust the table. <laughs> you bring the bread. That's the way you do it. Blooming onions and the sauce is free. So, so, so to really, uh, it's we have to talk about the, the reason that they say this f word. They mm-hmm. say they say this word. It's because Knopfler wrote this about the perspective of the song. Just so everybody knows, if you're listening to this and you never caught that word, this is what Knopfler said about the track. He said, the lead character in Money for Nothing is a guy who works in a hardware department in a television, custom kitchen, refrigerator, microwave, appliance store. He's singing the song. I wrote the song when I was actually in the in store. I borrowed a bit of paper and started to write the song down in the store. I wanted to use a lot of the language that the real guy actually yeah. used when mm-hmm. I heard him because it was more real. Dude, look at I, I have to, we have to boycott the store. No, we, we have to. Yes, we do. We name? have to boycott. Can you find out what the store was, Adam? Because if, was it a Best it Buy? Big time. I'm gonna, I think I know what it was. Hold on. Dude, if you went into a Best Buy, no, not the best part. And, yeah, and, but- and the guys like they, they're, you know, they're like, yeah. So this is the new uh, UHD uh, 8K television. And they got a music video on. He goes, look at that F word. Microwave, microwave. You know, he's got his earring. Right. Yeah, he's got his earring. You'd be like, um, <laughs> excuse me, um, 
I, I just wanted to buy uh, a mount for my LG, and they're just like, this fucking, no. this fucking, blah, 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 blah. and they're just, I mean, it is, <laughs> but this is like a different time, dude. It Think was, about yes, that. it was, it was. But Think I about, totally understand what he said because I went to those. Oh, yeah, that's so funny. For sure, for sure. But this is like, dude, you're you cannot, you cannot say that word now. You just can't, and you can't do it in a song that's going to be a number one hit, dude. I mean, the fact that like Eminem got away with it in the early two thousands, like that's, I mean, that was. Different times, man. But dude, think about 1985. Like, I just want to talk about 1985 for a second because, right. you know, one of the movies that came out in 1984 is the movie Revenge of the Nerds, right? And I that love that movie. Yeah, I remember was that. it really filmed in Tucson? Filmed in Tucson. And was, yeah, and during that scene, they're at the University of Arizona, they're going past all the guys like this, right? These bodyguard looking dudes. And in one of the scenes, there was a dude that lived down my street who uh, was selling a lot of dope at the time and he went over there to, to be in the movie and then he got he got killed what we like shot over this cocaine deal we, we were all going and he's a university guy going hey this guy just got killed but friends of the nerds here now pablo takes you back to revenge of the nerds where he shows a cocaine dealer a friend of his gets killed and whatever yeah. anyway, anyhow yes revenge of the nerds and what else well, um, no, I wanted to, this is, this is yeah. what I'm just saying about how we can get, how it's so different than where we're at now. Revenge of the Nerds was one of the most popular movies of 1984. Huge. And in it, if you guys remember, they sexually like harass and assault like a whole sorority's worth of girls. They steal their panties. They videotape them while they're showering. Then the lead character has, it's basically, it's rape. I mean, he puts on the helmet uh, that his that her boyfriend was wearing, and then he fools her into having sex with him, thinking that it's her boyfriend. I mean, that's right. Oh, oh and, yeah, that's, and, and we yeah, loved that, that movie, and we loved it. So, wow, what was going down in the eighties, man? How many people <laughs> put the helmet on in real life? You know, I mean, I listen. It's just it just shows you just how like like listen, I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I never. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't realize that 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 scene was in there. Where is he? Oh yeah, dude. Re Got you. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's like, ha ha. You just had sex with me, and I wasn't the person that you said you were having. Thought you were having sex with. It's crazy, dude. It's just <laughs> different times. You like that? Yeah, David. I was like, no, it's Harvey. How you doing? Going different. Different times. Let me see if I found some stuff about the controversy behind this. So uh, the lyrics have been criticized for being homophobic. And in a 1985 interview in Rolling Stone magazine, Knopfler expressed mixed feelings on the uh, controversy. He said, I got an objection from the editor of a gay newspaper in London. He actually said it was below the belt. Apart from the fact that there were there are a there are stupid gay people as well as stupid other people, it suggests that maybe you can't let it have so many meanings. You have to be direct. In fact, I'm still in two minds as to whether it's a good idea to write songs that aren't in the first person to take on the other characters. The singer in Money for Nothing is a real ignoramus, hard hat mentality. Somebody who sees everything in financial terms. I mean, this guy has a grudging respect for rock stars. He sees it in terms of, well, that's not working. Yet the guy's rich. That's a good scam. He isn't sneering. Can I say something real, real quick? Didn't he Go. say below the belt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Who the, the the gay reporter said it's below the belt. The the gay reporter did say it's below the belt. Yeah, yeah. Is it's the stomach or below the belly button. Below the belly button. I'm assuming. Oh. Okay. Um, so anyway. he has for the band's 1985 concert uh, 
in uh, that was televised in the UK, uh, Knopfler replaced the the F word uh, with Queenie. Um, really? I don't know. What do you think, Adam? Queenie? Look at these Queenies. That's the way you do it. I mean, it's probably a little more gentle than the F word. Still not great, yeah. but you're. <laughs> well, if you really slow it down, is he really? You lip sync? Is that computer guy really saying faggot? Like, is he like? Is he like? You see, like the thing going? Look at him, fag. Like you see the these little things, these little white thing going fags. Look at. Is he saying fag or maybe queen? man. I don't know. Um, in 2000, uh, January 2011, the Canadian Broadcast Standards Council ruled that the unedited version of the song was un- unacceptable for airplay on private Canadian radio stations as it breached the Canadian Association of Bra- Broadcasters Code of Ethics and their Equitable Portrayal Code. Uh, the, C- the CBSC concluded that like other racially driven words in the English language, the F word is one of them, even if it entirely or marginally acceptable in earlier days, it is no longer so. But a lot of radio stations did not abide to this, at least two stations, and they played the unedited version uh, repeatedly for an hour hmm. out of protest. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. You know, it's... um. Uh, it's uh, is, there, is there more to it too? There, I mean, there is, but it's all basically saying the same stuff. Okay, now a friend of mine, Ashley Thiesman, he has a, uh, he's a com- comedian that I toured with, and he was a, a he's a you know guy from Haiti, and I would jam out some of my tunes. I was like 15 years older than him, right? And he goes, "Have you seen this video yet?" And I go, "The song of the the the, the computer guy." I go, he goes, "He goes, listen to these faggots. That's the way they do." He starts laughing. Going, these guys are putting down rock stars. Then I go, "Yeah." Then he's talking about how much money he got. And all kind yeah. of things. It was so funny watching that generation of him, uh, you know, and Billy Idol was, I think he had flesh for fantasy somewhere in that area. Right. And it's so funny mm-hmm. watching it, watching the, the videos. Cause he never saw the videos of, uh, of the dire straits. And he goes, who are these guys? And I go, Oh dude, dude, check it. But he would watch that. He goes, he was, these guys he was playing like, um, play on the drum, like a chimpanzee. Uh, that ain't working. That is so hilarious because I had no idea at the time that he was putting down, the, 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 I see the videos and I was going, okay, what do you mean by working? Back then, you know, I did my thing, but I now realize I was going, oh, these guys are, they're going, look at these guys, you know, yeah. and, they're, and they're taking all the, we got to be doing that. This guy's singing about what? And they show the guy, it's like a George Michaels kind of, uh, maybe all the videos you see that he's looking at are just like generic ones they put up in those, in those square TVs. You, you see that, you see a guy, third floor, fifth floor, this show guy looks like George Michael dancing around, pointing his finger, and you're going, oh my God, this is hilarious. And yeah. they, were point, they were pointing the finger, they, were, they made like a George Michael-esque kind of guy in the video. If you, if you watch the video that the, this this uh, this guy, these movers are watching, look at that. And you see this guy come down, he spins, like a, they put the little beard on him kind of thing. It was funny how they were making fun of George Michaels and the other videos by making other videos to make it look like that video. Does that make yeah. sense? So that it's makes kind of funny. Sense. Yeah, so um, I was like, oh, wow. It, it does say a lot about a lot of things in that video. I mean, different times, I get it. I, the video, the video's great. It's just so funny that they're playing that video. It's getting so much airplay in 1985. And it's just oh. like, you're an F-word, an F-word, F-word. You're an F-word. You're a, you're a, you're a you, you know, you said ding dong and whatever kind of thing. Well, that kind of like, I was like, oh, wow, faggot. That is kind of a heavy hit. You know, too. Very, 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 yeah, very big. Look at these it's, faggots. It's, yeah, like, yeah, man. Yeah, that, so I can see why. But then again, I go, if you're gay and you think faggot, they're talking about you, then you're, what kind of, you know, I wouldn't associate that with if I was gay, right? I would just go, hey, those guys are talking about other guys. 
Oh, for sure. I, I listen. I don't think. Then, yeah, you know, I mean, listen. It's 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 like you know we're you're, you're growing up a certain way. You know, people. It's like people change. History is progressive, but it's just like people it use just words. Right? Yeah, people. You you use words that you know. It's just okay. you've been saying them your whole life, and then it's suddenly like, oh no, we can't say. It. But it's like, no, I never meant it like that. But it doesn't make a difference. It's no, just the like guy society. Who wrote that. Okay, yeah. for sure, for sure. All right, let's move on to, let's talk about Walk of Life, because there's only a few tracks on this album I really want to talk about. Walk of Life, we have to mention. Uh, This track peaked at number seven on the U.S. charts, tied for the biggest commercial hit in the U.K., uh, peaking at number two. And this song was nearly excluded from the record when the co-producer Neil Dorsman voted against its inclusion, but the rest of the band outvoted him. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Pretty yeah, interesting. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. You know, who's the producer of that that album? Is it can you does it can you find out who who jumped on the board with those guys? And Mark like- Knopfler wrote this song to celebrate the street buskers of London, hence the references to Bebopalula and what I say to standards that might be part of a singer's repertoire in the mid-80s. Right. Uh, for the music video, because we got to talk about music videos, it was U.S. sports bloopers mixed with live performance footage. Uh, pull up the video for this while we while we move on. Knopfler didn't want any shots of him in front of the side to avoid full effect of his nose. Oh, he must have a fucking honker. Well, who um, that guy? <laughs> yeah, dude. He must have a biggie. He must have a huge nose if you if you know if that's like he must have like a nose set. like well, i mean that's he that's we got to see the video to make sure um yeah walk of life is great so for, so far you, you've got your three biggest songs on here so far away money for nothing and walk of life right. to open it do you have any thoughts on walk of life do you want to hear it or is there anything yeah, you absolutely the thing is is that look i was very very heavy metalish right i would i would dab, dab into these dire straight guys where the first songs they came out with i didn't know they did that uh, so Satan's of uh, what, I'm sorry, what's it called? So Salt's God's Sultan's, Sultan's a swing. Thank you. And that song. And it was a good, I listened to that song. Now I go, man, those guys were on it back then. I mean, I was like fourth grade and those guys were just, they knew how to write music and they know how to express themselves really well. Great musicians. And then to come out in the MTV generation going, you got to do it. Who knows? The Stone probably said, you got to do, you got to make videos, mate. Because you know what? This, this era, man, the kids are buying it. And guess what? They bought it. Those guys sold albums more. They had probably money already set for them. And the Stones did it with, you know, Start Me Up and Pat Benatar. They were already, already making money back then. And they, when that video era came out, boom. You know, so yeah, they did a smart way of engineering that stuff, put a lot of money in that video, and look what happened. Bam. Yeah. Uh, uh, Adam, you got the music video? Like this is actually whoa! I forgot. And you're like, God, 
Oh, yeah. And what do you think? I mean, everybody loves a good sports blooper. I mean, everybody loves, everyone loves a fucking whatever, good save and good good hikes and fumbles and shit. It's a good idea. I think we should Um, do. Mm -hmm. Song's way better than the music video, though. All right. uh, Your latest trick. That's a good song. I want to talk about before we get, because this whole second half, man, is just. All right, so the so you have the three biggest hits first half of the record, and the album opens with "Ride Across the River" for side two. Uh, this might be one of my favorite songs on the record. Uh, this is what's funny. This is the second song from Dire Straits' "Brother in Arms" album to appear in Miami Vice. And after I found that out and re-listened to this song, I realized there this is the perfect song. Perfect song for a Miami Vice episode. Play 27 seconds in. Crockett and Tubbs overlooking a cocaine bust hall with this playing in the background, like man. Yeah, man, we got him this time. They're after us. Boink. That Miami night. Hot. Yes. <laughs> I can feel it. And then uh, that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put yeah. Walk of Life on that. Fucking, hey, man, we got away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hey, we got to walk off life. Yeah, Boy, it can be. You Fuck can't you, end man. an episode with, with Walk of Life. You can't. <laughs> hey, man, we did it, man. Come on. Don't it. We um, did it, man. Love the pan flute in it. Anytime you use pan flute, uh, this is a concept of Latin American guerrilla wars in Honduras and Nicaragua in the mid-'80s. Uh, great song. And then the rest of the album, in my opinion, kind of falls apart until we get to the final track, which is Brother in Arms. The title track on the record, this song was inspired by the Falklands War, which was going on when Dire Straits lead singer Mark Knopfler wrote the song. Knopfler sings about a soldier who is dying on the battlefield, surrounded by his comrades who remain by his side as he slips away. It's a look at the folly of war and the plight of those who fight them. Uh, the title is something Knopfler's dad said in discussing the Falklands War. He described the Russians and Argentinians as brothers in arms, meaning they had similar ideologies. And that phrase ended up being used for the title of this record. Something I thought, something I found to be really cool, Pablo, uh, that I didn't even realize is Adam told me that Metallica covered this in 2007 at Neil Young's Bridge School Benefit concert. Do um, you want to play it for us, Ad? This is, it's a great song, man. This is a really great song. Great. I mean, the fact that Metallica can cover it and basically turn it into one of their songs, I mean, it's just, it's a great song. Yeah, this oh, yeah. is, I mean, it's perfect way to end the album. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's not, listen, 
it's oh. not it's it's not my it's not my favorite album I've done on this, but those first three songs and this one, I mean, yeah, dude, they're they're iconic. Well, that's great that you even you know you go you look look it's like taking a needle and putting it in a basketball. You you went deeper into that, you know. That's yeah. what I like about this. Now I'm thinking to myself, going, you know what? Yes, I was listening to this music, but then you know I get your uh, thing going. What, what songs are gonna be? Dire Straits. All right, let's go there. And it's like I really listened to the riffs from back then. I go, these guys. What's fantastic about it is that you look back and you go, man, these guys were already. You know, when we're when I was born, you know, I think you guys get in '69 positions. You guys like. Have sex. Old guy at 7-Eleven making surfies goes, well, dude, all the time, right? And then I listen to these guys now. And I go, holy shit, these guys are basically, you know, when the youth grows up and they, they start realizing, holy smoke, you know, like right now, this the girl that works for me, you know, and we call her, you know, my squeeze in a, in a lot of sense is that her daughter just moved out of here. She is 20 years old. And she goes, what's my favorite song, right? And she she goes, uh, uh, the guy's from Pink Floyd. Well, we don't teach her leave those kids alone, right? I go, I heard that in fifth grade. Then she goes into, right, uh, so far away from me, because she doesn't know the name of the song, right? But it's it's recorded in digital. So nowadays, my, my parents were in black and white. Now, today's parents are in color. So I go, do you realize what you're seeing here, you're hearing? I was listening to that song when I was your age, five years ago, basically. I, go, I was jamming to that, doing bongs. You know, without the tobacco, whatever mm -hmm. crap they use now. I said, that was the shit. That was the stuff, you know. And she's like, really? Well, yeah, you're listening to our music right now. A lot of these, you know, kids back in, kids back in the day, right? Yeah. We, who are awesome, to tell you the truth. But, yeah, they're jamming out to our tunes. And that's a great tune. I mean, that's a great. So great. It's, yeah, it's, listen, like I said, first three are dope. Last track is dope. A lot of oh, filler yeah. on this album. A lot of filler, but the shit that's killer is killer. All right, let's do some random facts and get out of here, okay? Uh, they were Princess Diana's favorite rock group, which made me laugh so oh, much. Really? Yeah, dude. Like she went to go see him live a couple times. Can you just imagine her? It's like, you know, <laughs> I'm Princess Diana. You want to have sex with me? Yeah. Play, play Brother yeah. in Arms. Play yeah. it. He's a hottie, oh, though. I hope yeah. they played brother in arms. I hope they oh. played brothers in arms. Right. You know, they probably picked her out of the audience. Come here, you put her back there. <laughs> can, we get her, can we get her backstage? <laughs> hey, so you know, my, nice my, who's this girl back here? Uh, oh, you. Yeah, he's. You know, <laughs> who's, who's this down boy that you're with? Oh, he's like, I'm Prince Charles. <laughs> um, <laughs> they took the he's name. Diana. <laughs> they you took like my music? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Good they Lord. took the name Dire Straits because it represented their financial condition in the early days. Uh, man, dire Straits. Wait. Does that really? Does that mean Dire that Straits? Bad. I don't know what that means. Dire means okay. What is that? What is the the definition? Is that a noun? Pronoun? Who gives a shit right on that? But Dire Straits mean that the word struggling. Is that what it means? Yeah, it means it means you're 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 up Shit's Creek, basically. Dude, man, I'm on Dire Straits, man. Yeah, dude, I'm down that. the street. Man, she charged me full price. So this was among 10 albums nominated for Best British Album of the last 30 years in 2010 by the Brit Awards, but they lost to Oasis. What's the story, Morning Glory? That's Oasis? Once, yeah. Dude, really? Once, once again, Oasis. Dude, Oasis is loved the by the British people. They are, lo excuse me, loved 
by Brits. Them, the Stone Roses, and the Beatles, and, and Arctic Monkeys now are just Arctic like British Monkeys. People. Oh yeah, okay. Arctic is giving them a round of applause. No, nice. Yeah. Um, and this album dropped down to four eighteen on the twenty twenty list. Uh, it's the band's only appearance on either list. Um, yeah. Well, I'm gonna say this: Dire with the Arctic Monkeys. I gotta tell you, this guy came over to my house, right? And he was playing their music. And I, every song was not too, it was good. It was really good quality stuff, I would have to say. So, yes, it, it, to put them against the Dire Straits or, you know, it's kind of like, okay, that's a compliment, I guess, right? The Dire yeah. Straits, American. I think so. I think so, too. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good, I do, go, the go against Oasis, these quality bands that, and to bring up the Dire Straits. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Probably. fact that this was among 10 albums nominated for Best British Album of the last 30 years. I mean, you know how many records come out in between that time? Like thousands. So this is an important record. I mean, you oh, know, absolutely. Like, it's a very important record. I think it has to do a lot with the music video. I think the fact that, you know, that was such a big, big uh, hit for them. And and the three songs, like I said, that are on here, they're incredible. So yeah, yeah man. That is absolutely, you know what? You did your research right because I didn't know that. Now I'm like, well, you, know, you know what? Yeah, when you're going up against today's, they bring out our, that album from Dire Straits. That's, that's wow, I didn't know that. So, hey, there you go, man. You got, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. I had no idea. All right, let's do some rapid questions and get you out of here, okay? Uh, favorite song on the record? Oh, so far away. From, I would okay. say that. Right. Depends what mode. This is, a, this is a, a, a mood kind of, Album. So, look. Did you know Teal? Okay. Listen. This is what this is what I like about it. Look. When you're on when you're on a boat with Uncle Juan, getting ready to go to the University of you know USIU and film school, he he plays this he plays this he plays Walk of Life and So Far Away from Me on the boat, right? Because by now it's going financial aid's going down shit with me at the time. So he plays that. Then I sit with my headphones on my Sony's. I got I bought at the Price Club. Mm-hmm. And same thing, you you hear the all the great engineering perfectly, and it stands up today's today's music up absolutely, and uh, yeah, it'll grab your it'll grab today's youth with that. So yes, yeah. All right, least favorite song on this record. I would have to say, okay, the one you played to tell you the truth, man. I want was it so far away from me? Was first which song was first? It was. So he, far those, away, then money for nothing. Those then, two songs. Uh, yeah. I didn't so after your, that. I didn't get past that. My disrespect. Okay. You're right. I didn't get past that because I was like going. That's all I needed to tell you the truth. Yeah. All right. You know? What song? What song on this record would you fuck to? What? Um, sheesh. You know what? Sheesh. I would say that's no man. I, I, that would be like I would say the appetizer. I guess too. That in this little old town, wait, wait, wait. you're so far away from me, goop, it's over. I'm so, well, yeah. that's me. I don't last that long back then. But yeah, I um, get it. I get it. Dude, this no. was great, brother. I, I appreciate Dude. your time, man. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to promote? Uh, I'm going to be in, uh, I'm going to be up, check me out. I'm going to be, uh, we're setting our dates here. We're going to be in Washington, D.C., right? Near your town. And I want to say to Chris Mazzilli out there, got your saw your Corvette show, awesome, up at Gotham. And of course, The Cellar, way to go, taking it down to Las Vegas. Dustin Wybara, my friend just played The Cellar. Nice. All this week, 
And uh, yeah, just, and you, my friend, you, thanks for fucking having me on your show. Oh, Great. my Adam, pleasure, brother. Right, to you guys. And uh, we'll rock and roll. Yeah, buddy. Right. Thank you so much, bud. Hey, man, take care of yourself, my friend. All right, buddy. Mentos. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Pablo Francisco. Follow him on Twitter at Pablo underscore Francisco. And for all things Pablo, go to PabloFrancisco.com. For listener shout out this week, I want to give a huge shout out to JY. His handle on Instagram is JY. Y0880. He sent me a message uh, that I needed to read. He's been following along with his buddies and he has been, uh, he's going to finish. He's going to be with us till the very, to the very, very end. Not the very, very end, the very, very end. I love you, Jay. Thank you for being in the Fleece Army. You are now officially a general in the Fleece Army. Attorney General? just a general uh so if you guys want to get shout out send me messages and tell me that you're listening to the podcast and uh and make me feel good make me feel good all right so we listened to dire straits from 1985 for new music pick this week uh it's australian rock band holy holy their 2017 album hit the top 10 of the australian album charts in 2018 they were included in triple j's top 100 and they're definitely kindred spirits and dire straits and you are listening to believe anything off their brand new album hello my beautiful world you can find links to the music on our website the 500 podcast.com and if you're in a band and you want your music featured on the 500 because you were influenced by one of these albums send us your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com and put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line oh shit next week it's Neil Young week Neil Young and Crazy Horse Aurora Borealis 1979's Russ Never Sleeps get into that shit do your homework stay fleecy doogle doogle
Question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Paul Phelps. And this is Monica Strutt. And we're from the Daily Music Business Podcast. We're joined by a number of other really great hosts in creating daily content with great advice for independent musicians just like you. That's right. We put out episodes daily on all topics from music marketing to branding, advice on signing with a manager and label and anything else you need to up-level the business side of your music career. We've got it covered. Subscribe to the Daily Music Business Podcast today on your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe today to the Daily Music Business Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Next Chapter Podcasts.